of visualization is a very important as well obviously um, and this sport is probably one of the easiest thing or going to the gym is one of the easiest thing to visualize you know you're just going into the gym before you lift a weight you're visualizing how to do it in your head and you literally just do that weight then you just sort of just sit down you stand up you do whatever you're doing you're doing it and for me that's how i took to the gym took to strawman so easy welcome to the neurostars podcast Neurostars offers inspiring and thought-provoking interviews with neurodiverse celebrities and sports stars who have carved successful careers out of their unique neural wiring and how you can too. Welcome to a celebration of unique minds. That is, stars who have used their unique minds, aka Neurostars, to their advantage by winning differently. Difference is our superpower. Okay, I'm Annette Dubois and I help young people with neurodiversity, with confidence and managing emotions. I am here with Tom Stoltman, twice strongest man and Britain's strongest man. And he was diagnosed with autism at the age of five. So I appreciate your time today, Tom. Um, really a, a pleasure to chat with you. Can you share with me about your journey to becoming the world's strongest man while living with autism? especially yeah. some of the key challenges and how you overcame them. Yeah, obviously I've been, you know, diagnosed with autism for basically my whole life. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'll skip past like, the kids. My life as a child was, uh, I mean, it was easy because obviously being a te 10, 11 years old, um, kind of having autism, it just, like any other kid, I just went to school. My primary school was very small, so I only had like 40 people in it. So went to school and all my friends, all the kids, all they want to do is play football and I love football. So at break time, lunch time, home time, we just play football, go to class and just obviously in primary school, you're not getting taught the kind of hard, hard stuff you do when you're a teenager. So it's just more fun when you're in, in school. So that was just from like, you know, nine all the way up to 11. I was just going to school every day, happy and because I was playing football and having kind of fun in classrooms, doing different things I kind of liked and just not having too much stuff that overstimulated me and stuff. And then, um, but like, you know, my, the journey in Strawman was just kind of a, I think it was kind of a mistake, but a realisation that it saved my life because obviously I wanted to be a footballer. That was my biggest goal in my life was, you know, my mum and dad always supported me for whatever I wanted to do, was it if it was to be, a gymnastics, uh, uh, you know, a boss at a company, anything. They just, they never ever been negative to me. They said, you know, you do your own thing. I have four other siblings as well. So the hardest thing was for them was to obviously, you know, give me more support than my two sisters and my two brothers. And me seeing also me from the out, seeing like my brother going to get a job, my wee brother being successful, my other sisters, you know, getting girl, uh, boyfriends and, um, you know, mixing with other people. And for me, I was just kind of like, why couldn't I do that? But then, but then when I had a football, football was the thing that made me feel normal, was the thing that, you know, when I had a football at my foot, I felt like I was the best person in the world. I could talk to people, I could do anything. So when I kind of started fading away from football when I was about 13, 13 years old, 14 years old, because my friends had kind of given up it, they had different lives to live. They were just going on to different things and kind of didn't really, you know, a lot of my friends when I was younger, just if they didn't make professional footballer at 13, 14 year old, they wanted to quit. And that was yeah. exactly with me. All in my head all the time was that word quit. All I wanted to do was quit. So if, you know, if things got hard, I would quit. If I, 
you know, if school something happened at school, I would quit or I wouldn't want to go back for ages. So you know, that was the hardest kind of thing. But, but basically, I'll skip a few of that. So then when I, you know, all this, I went into the secondary school, in and out of school, in and out of colleges, in and out of jobs and stuff. But they wrote to kind of being Will Straw's man, and which doesn't, like I said, was a mistake. I think I was 17, 16, or 17 years old, and my big brother, who's 10 years older than me, had started the gym, had been going there and doing all that kind of stuff. So, um, he had kind of seen I was deteriorating. I was locked myself in my room. I was playing Xbox. I was kind of like in a jail cell. I wasn't coming out. I was, my mum and dad were just passing me the food and I was just doing that because I didn't think there was any worth living because I failed in this thing I wanted to do, which was football. So anyway, kind of look with a lot of kind of, you know, force and not like just with a lot of kind of pushing me to every single day, come up to the gym, come to the gym, come to the gym. And then finally I just said to him, yeah, I'll come. I'll see what it's like. And, you know, I mean, I walked into the gym with my worst nightmare. I had my hood up, which was my supportive kind of blanket. I always used to wear a hood. Yeah. Uh, there was people obviously looking at you. There's mirrors and that's the worst kind of thing. Some with autism, you know, going into a, a room with <laughs> that. Full so. of, of people. So uh, that for me was very, very... Yeah, I was just very anxious, just didn't want to do anything. I went to the gym for a few days and kind of just didn't really want to do it. But I think because I had Luke, because I was doing this with my brother and like I had that wee support person there, kind of like, you know, like a support teacher you'd get in school, kind of like that. He, although he was my brother, he was kind of like a support teacher. He was teaching me the things in the gym and he was my brother, so I was very comfortable around him. So that kind of helped me push the first kind of couple of months uh, for to get into the gym, to kind of get into a routine and just to see where I was. And, you know, I never ever wanted to do the gym to make myself physically better. Well, I wanted just to build a wee bit more, like a wee bit more upper body strength, lower body strength and uh, just for fitness. And I just wanted to make myself mentally stronger. That was the kind of biggest thing. I think my mum and dad used to say to my big brother, like, you know, Tom seems to be going good at this. Keep him going and see how he does because that's all they wanted was for me was to be happy and to do something that I loved and to like come home every day from the thing I was doing and with a smile on my face. And, uh, you know, for me, I was smiling in the gym, which was the first that I've ever done when I've done something. I was going home smiling. I was going home happy. I was very en enjoying it. I was saying to my mum and dad what I was doing in the gym. You know, Luke was going offshore and, you know, back. And whenever he went offshore... I think that's where people started to worry that, oh, would Tom still go by himself? But then I started to yeah. go by myself, meeting other people, and just started finding a big family. And uh, even, fast forward even more to that, I just think the gym, you know, I say the gym saved my life because in school I didn't have, I left school with nothing. I left uh, left everything, you know, I didn't, I didn't have no grades, I didn't have any hires, didn't have any of them kind of stuff. I just left with absolutely nothing. Like I said, tried to go to college and all that, and that didn't work out, so... Then when I like when I found the gym the first two or three months, I just wanted to do the gym. That's all I wanted to do was go to the gym, lift weights, and I didn't care about making money. I didn't care about anything else. But um, you know, my mum kind of was diagnosed with cancer and um about twenty one years old. That's when she started get started deteriorating and was you know, getting worse. So for yeah. me it was trying to, for me it was kinda of like, right, there's a few things I wanted to do before my mum passed and that was to get married to get a house and to not be successful at strongman but to be like just to keep on being what I am at strongman I mean my mum had seen me win Scotland Straws man had made me see me win a few tournaments and went on this journey and obviously seen me come from like a shy 
guy with like the chest down, the head down to then this guy that blossomed. It was like a sunflower, like, you know, when you close up and then you come out, it was like, wow, how's he, how have I done this just from literally touching a barbell and bars? Like there's nothing, any scientific things did it. No one helped me. It was just going into the gym and touching these weights and see my body change, see my me mentally change, taking aggression out. You know, if I was sad, I was going there. If I was happy, I was going there. So all these endorphins in the gym, this little place helped me. So my mum was buzzing and I said there were three things. So like I, because everyone thought I was going to be living with my mum for life, living, not getting married and not having a house. And, you know, 18 years old, this was after going through the gym for a year. I had met a girl and started talking to her. And the only reason I was talking to her was because the gym helped me talk to people, helped me communicate to strangers. How, and I knew how to kind of talk to girls. I knew how to talk to strangers because I was basically getting interviewed in the gym without getting interviewed. I was just talking to people without knowing. And then, and then lifting weights as well. And then, you know, by the time I was 21 years old, no, by the time I was 19 years old, I'd moved out of my mum and dad's house and 21 years old, I was married. So in that three years, I did kind of what I had set out to do. And yeah. like you made my mum and dad proud and everything. And then obviously, you know, just as basically, you know, being well strong man with autism, it's, I think autism is strong man, like I'm trying to say in the gym goes because it's repetition and you're doing the same thing every single day. And I visualise, you know, a lot of visualisation is a very important as well, you know, obviously. Yeah. Um, and this sport is probably one of the easiest things, or going to the gym is one of the easiest things to visualise. You know, you're just going into the gym. Before you lift a weight, you're visualising how to do it in your head. And you literally just do that weight. Then you just sort of just sit down, you stand up, you do whatever you're doing, you're doing it. And for me, that's how I took to the gym, took to strongman so easy because I was waking up. I was eating, I was going to the gym, I was training, I know, and I was training again, and then I was going to bed, and I was doing that every single day. And me having autism, it was simple, and it was effective, and it worked for me every single day. And that's why I think, you know, being, I got so successful in the sport, and I got, like, and I wanted to kind of push myself so kind of far, because, you know, I had, like I said, when I was younger, I had hurdles, and I couldn't get over these hurdles, and I needed my mum, I needed my dad, I needed my brother, but, uh, now, you know, since I've been 17, 18 years old, I wanted to make hurdles for myself and had, had to kind of, uh, sorry, had to jump over them myself. So, for example, you know, Strongman comes with a lot of interviews, a lot of kind of press stuff, and I never ever thought of that. I thought going to a Strongman competition would be lifting weights and going home. So for myself, I had to put cameras in my gym, switch lights on and off, get all different strobe lighting, get different people talking to me from different angles while I was lifting weights to then know that, right, this is what it's going to be like in a, when I'm going to the strongman events. I'm not going to be just lifting there in silent. There's not going to be any lights. There's going to be different lights. There's going to be different stadiums. So, you know, I kind of did that myself to do that. And, you know, when I go to competitions as well, I always, I'm always like the first out to walk around the arena to get used to the arena, to get used to the atmosphere. And then that just makes me, my head kind of calm. And then I can go and perform what I want to do. So, you know, I've learned kind of, the last 10, 11 years, this whole journey of strongman, I've kind of, obviously I've had my brother support, I've had my family support, but you know, you only get so far with them, you have to be able to go and, and put hurdles in front of yourself and go, right, you know, autism I'm living with for the rest of my life, I can either let it rule me like I did when I was younger or take charge of it and do stuff and make it so powerful, because like I said, you know, I've made it a superpower like I always talk about and that's how I've gone from 18 years old into the gym for the first time to then you know, 10 years later to be the top of the sport and to achieve a lot of things, own a business. It's been very powerful. And yeah, like I said, it's 
it's just, just it's just simple stuff that I'm doing and like an OCD at doing out like so for the repetition of planning. I think I'm better at I'm doing doing that than someone without autism because I'm so OCD with it. I know that if I do it to one hundred percent, that I will see benefits of it all, and I don't get, ever get distractions like concrete thinking. When I say I'm going to do something, I'll do it, and I won't let. Say there's someone trying to talk to me on the left or the right or something trying to come up. That won't happen to me. I'll just be like, boom, that's my lane. Look at that. But if somebody without, you know, this autism or whatever, they'll if someone talks to them or you know they see this thing moving about, they'll they'll get distracted. And I've seen that firsthand. But for me, it's like, right, I've got this fake vision. I've got this line to follow, and that's my line, and nothing stops me. So, and I think that's how. You know, my brain has been working for the last, like, especially the last three or four years. Um, yeah. And I used to talk to like as well, you know, clinical psychologist. I, but for a one world show as man, um, I went. I joined a clinical psychologist, and that was one of the best things I'd ever done because I understood autism, but I didn't understand it from like a mindset kind of point of view. And yeah. that's how I won world show as man because I talked to her and I changed my mindset. So I went from I called it a championship mindset, and I lit right on Facebook two months before world show as man that I was world strong as man and. That's confidence in myself. That's autism as well. Being confident. No, no yeah. person, no other person in the world would write. They're going to win world strongest man two months before a competition, and uh, I believed in myself. I visualized it every single day, and that's the thing. Like I said, that's why it's so powerful because I live every day now visualizing. Like I wake up visualizing what I'm going to do. I visualize big, massive goals that I've got, and I know that if I visualize it every single day, it'll come true. Like I visualized the last two years at world strongest man. How you know when my Mum passed, I made a promise and I kept that promise for a few years. I yeah. made that promise of, you know, getting a house, getting a wife. So all these stuff that I visualise that I do in just day-to-day life now, it's it's very powerful. So. And for young people, they might struggle with sort of how to visualise. So do you have any tips on sort of how to get started? Yeah, I mean, for me, I, I really struggle. You know, even, even I, I've only really started doing it properly, like I said, the last few years. But I think, you know, what I do is I write things down so my... Always, this is since I've been a young, young boy. Um, I've always had a whiteboard like somewhere in my house, and for me, so like for World Strongest Man, for example, for my next competitions, I've got a competition in October, let's just say, and uh, so I write like how many days it is to the, the competition. So, for example, it could be 50 days, say, to the competition, and I'll visualize that and I'll draw a podium and I'll write Tom on the top of it, and I'll write Tom, and then I'll write Tom, and then it just says like number two and number three so I'll visualize me being on top so what I do is then when I get out of bed when I go downstairs the first thing I see every single morning is when I open that fridge is is 50 days to the competition Tom Stop and number one and then whatever else my, my, my wife will write a motivational quote or like you know like just something that gets me motivated and helps me visualize that goal every single day and helps me keep motivated and I think that's the most important thing with you know, young kids or, you know, people with autism, they kind of, they kind of see this, maybe they see things and then kind of things get too hard or they don't have that, that kind of thing they can put their, like they can kind of glance onto. And that's what I thought yeah. I had. You know, people used to tell me, or oh, used to say to me, you're going to be well strong, man. You're going to be this, you're going to be that. But people can say that. But I think for you to visualize it, you have to have certain physical written down. And like, for me, I have things written down all over the house, but that's a, that whiteboard that I have, Whatever my goal is, it doesn't have to just be strawman. Like, so I write down, say I'm going, 
John Holiday. I'll write down Holiday and I'll write down like Sunshine Me with my wife and stuff and my wife will write it all down. So I don't actually write anything on it down. She's the one that touches it and then first thing in the morning I'm the one that visualises it. So the only thing that changes on that whiteboard is the number of days to the competition or the number of days to the holiday and the picture and the motivational quote and everything else does the same. So I know that when I'm waking up, I'm seeing the same picture, the same motivational quote and it's visualising that every single day, and then you automatically just do it, and that's how I've always done it, and that's how I've learned to do it, but I always still have that, white. even today to this day, I have two competitions in October, and I have, the only things that change are the two numbers of the days leading down to it, and I think there's a podium on it, we're saying Tom number one, and then there's, like, uh, no one else matters or sitting as a quote, and you know that's how I live live it every day. I wake up every morning, see that, and then that just gets me that visualizing like smile on my face. Like, yeah, I can if I visualize this, it's going to happen. So, yeah, so yeah. Yeah, I think it's very important. Even like I said, even since I got diagnosed, whiteboards, writing things down really helped me visualize things. Even when I was in school, writing things down on whiteboards, I I took it in more than just a teacher saying to me, what's 10 plus 10? I had to write it all down. So I think people with autism and that is when things are physically in front of them, they take that and program that into their head and that they make that into then a reality. So get used to sticky notes, yes? Yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I coach young people on, see it. So write it down, see it. And yeah. actually say it out loud, you probably do the same. So you don't just look at it, you're actually saying it out loud and you're having people around you uh, saying it with you as well, uh, which can be really helpful. I think probably what's coming out of this as well is the ability to ask for help and know that help is really needed around you. So you've had a wonderful support network around you. Um, that has sort of encouraged you, especially in those early stages. Particularly with young men, um, asking for help is quite a difficulty. Any advice that you've got for them when they're struggling? Yeah, I mean, obviously, like you just said, you know, men, because we're the alphas of, uh, you know, women are the ones that open up and are, you know, vulnerable and emotional. Uh, but like a lot of men keep it private and that's the worst thing. I kept it private for a long time of autism. You know, I didn't open up till I was to my friends till I was 13, 14 years old. And then some people didn't even know when I came into Stroman, the first few years, people didn't really know that I was autistic. So, and there's a lot of weight on your shoulders when you have that, because like you said, you know, from the out, people think, oh, is he shy? Or why is he this? Why is he got a suit up? Why is he getting extra support? Why is he getting this? But then when I, when I stood up in front of my friends and told them, I was like, the weight was off my shoulder but yeah I mean I think uh, speaking out is the most important thing you can do in your life and I'm saying that because I did it at, you know I got diagnosed and then three years later four years later I told my friends and you know the reason I did that is because I knew that I was going into this bigger school I knew there was going to be from 40 people to 500 people and I knew that I'd get looked at and judged different and for me to make my life maybe not not really not like super easier, but to make my life that maybe 20, 30% easier to get through school and to get through different things, I had to tell my friends and and then my teachers had to understand. And, you know, when as soon as I took, told my friends, they understood every single thing. And it was so good, like I said, have that support system. of They didn't just leave me just because I was different and had autism. They supported me and understood why I had different support. And, yeah, that's why I think... You know, I think it's still hard for kids these days and not to open up, especially with the school system and all that, because I think educational system for autism is one of the worst still to this day. And that's why I try and call it a superpower. And I think if you, you know, if you name it as not autism or not 
disability or something. I I name it now as a superpower. I think it's so much easier now for kids because you know I've seen I've been I've I'm the kind of I've opened like opened up people that people have come to the shop, people have come to expos. I've seen a kid a few months ago that n never comes out of his house hardly, but he came to see me at an expo which had two or three thousand people and just wanted to thank me. And that was just like a nine year old kid because I called that a superpower. And now he's going out of his house now because he's not known as an autistic kid. He's not known as someone with you know, these are different things. He's known as this guy, kid with a superpower. And, you know, when you watch, when kids watch, I always say to it, like, the reason people open up is because I always say Superman, Batman, and all these guys have got superpowers. You're like them, so tell the world, tell the world, make be as loud as you can and tell the world. And that has really helped people. And that's like, I've, I think it's really important to call it that because even, and it's not just, I don't think it's even just kids. I think it's for the adult side as well. Like, yeah. kids are... The kids, you know, if they get diagnosed at seven, eight years old, they kind of, they can li like live with that for the first few years and then they understand it a bit more. But if you're a 30, 40 year old adult and you've been living your life the way you have for 30, 40 years and then all of a sudden you've been diagnosed with autism or you're like, geez, I've been doing my life all wrong. So yeah, I just, I think super far, but I think, yeah, if you can open up as quick as you can and, you know, if people laugh at you, they laugh at you. If people, you your know your real friends and your real support system once you've told the told them who you know who you actually are and uh, yeah. this is you for the rest of your life and you don't change for anybody. I never change for nobody. I mean, I have been the same person since I've been diagnosed. Since now, you know the I only I only have a select few friends. I only I only trust my family and even my friends. I keep them at arm's length because at the end of the day, they're not your blood and they can turn on you in a heartbeat. So you know you need to kind of look out to who you're doing and especially now because I'm more successful, you also have to keep that arm's length away and you know the people that are coming back come back in their life. But yeah, I think superpower and changing the changing what autism actually is helps people open up so much more than they have been in the last 10 11 years so very much so and we've all got wonderful strengths and positive sides for us so i guess it's a uh, when diagnosed it's an understanding certainly not uh, a negative label but it's then helping someone to develop their strengths and the wonderful qualities they've got to give to the world let's just for a moment talk about stress and anxiety huge amounts for people struggling with autism just because you process things in a different way and quite often emotional uh, exhaustion and stress and anxiety uh, are quite prevalent in your lives. You've had some stressful situations over your uh, yeah. time I mean, in terms of competition and also personally as well. What would you say is a couple of tips to manage stress and anxiety levels? Yeah, I mean, you just said they're emotional. I think that's one of my biggest ones. And, you know, even to this day, you know, like I'm moving house and I've been never, and like just, you know, the overstimulating, the like, lot of stress, mm -hmm. a lot of kind of things going on so much. And then that then goes into, you know, my gym life and I struggle in the gym, which then puts more stress and anxiety on me. So, yeah, I think for myself, you know, I've really learned that. So I obviously I treat... It's just hard for me. It's true. I used to not have a balance in my life, so I used to always go to the gym Monday to Sunday, and yeah. think if I don't go to the gym Monday to Sunday, I'm gonna not win competitions, and that really got me stressful because obviously it made me like like let my wife, my family, and it was just I just all I cared about was the gym. So like that really got me a lot of stress inside. You know, I mean, competitions don't really do much to me, but it's a, yeah, it's a stuff to out the gym. So what I do, I always make sure that. 
on a weekend to for me to manage because obviously Monday or Friday for me it was very I, I said stress and anxiety is kind of through the roof not gym managing business again moving house now so I always make sure that on the weekend that I spend as much time as I can with my family and my wife and not talk about anything related to what I do. So not talk about strongman, not talk about the gym. And I never, ever step foot in my gym on the weekend unless I have to, unless I have to do something. But 90% of the time for me to manage my stress and anxiety, I sometimes take my wife away just to a you know, a cabin where there's, where there's no one else there and it's just me and her. Or I'll go and spend really quality time with my dad. You know, maybe go, he can't, we go for food or we do something like that. And, you know, that just takes all the stress and all the kind of anxiety away from you. And you just kind of live that normal life of this is just me and my family. This is just me and my wife. And we're just doing things we love. And I've really, you know, over the last year or two, kind of started managing that. And my stress and anxiety levels are kind of emotional stress. I've been down because I'm doing what I love, but I'm also caring about the people I love and I'm also making time for my family and making time for my friends and making time for the people that matter in my life. So I think that's for me that easy that for me that's the most simple way. I think, you know, I've learned the hard way, but I always think that, you know, if you've got certain if you're doing if you've got a busy week Monday to Friday and you're able to even, you know, put aside a day or two days in the week or the weekend to you know, go do something with people you love or go do stuff that makes you happy and takes all the stress and anxiety away. That's the best thing to do because, yeah, I've learned, like, yeah, I said, the weekends, when I go away with my wife, we just have fun. We're just like 10-year-old kids. Wow, you know, right? Again, you know, running, <laughs> running around, you're on the beach, we're doing these things that, you know, that kids do. And, you yeah. know, when kids... When you see kids playing and running around, they're so happy. Adults, you know, adults don't want to take stress. But when on the weekend now, I just think like I'm a big kid. I'm just running around, you know, after my nieces and nephews, my wife. We're doing loads of fun stuff. And that's, again, that controls my stress because then on Monday, when Monday comes a new week, I'm kind of refreshed and ready to hit that week. And then obviously, you know, there might be some stress along the way that week. But then I know that on Saturday and Sunday, that I'm going to then enjoy this chill out time and stuff as well. So that's how I kind of managed it. I, Obviously, some weeks are worse than others, but there's never a time now where I'm like totally stressed and totally anxious that I just have to break down because I got this Saturday and Sunday now to go and recharge my batteries, basically. So, so balance, really. That's what it's yeah, about. Balance and work, yeah, because yeah. those in education still, of course, you know, you mentioned about education. The school environment is very, very. Uh, overstimulating there's lots of people lots of things to do uh, which can sort of add to the emotional stress uh, so finding the balance recharging after the school day or perhaps recharging at the weekend really good advice and lastly to finish off any advice for anyone that wants to follow their passion who has neurodiversity uh, autism who is really sort of struggling any advice to follow follow their passion yeah, I mean, I think it's have the right support people and never, ever let someone say you can't do it. That's the thing I was really lucky with was, you know, my mum and dad may have thought me being a footballer was probably the most stupid thing, <laughs> thing in I the like world. I like a gymnastic but, idea, actually. Yeah, so, <laughs> I like, you know, I used to, so, so like, for, for when, as soon as our kids, as soon as I said that to my mum and dad, they supported me from day one. And that's when you know you've got the most support around you. So I think it's being around positive people. If you're around positive people and you have a family that generally cares and generally wants to see you not success and maybe a sport, just success seed in life and have that smile on yeah. your face. Because I think, you know, for me, being happy is more than being the strongest. You know, when I'm happy, I'm the strongest guy in the world, not just in strength, but emotionally and mentally. And I think that's all 
you can ask for for your kids is, you know, when they see, when your parents see you do something that you're smiling with, that's a win in anybody's eye. So, and that's what my mum and dad said. As soon as they see me smiling, they had completed their life. So, and that's uh, what I say to everybody now is, as long as you've got a smile on your face, it can be gymnastics, it can be going for a walk, it can be any single thing you want. Just because your friend's doing something different, as long as you've got a smile on your face and you're enjoying it every single day, do it. So, Life is for living. I love that. Thank you very much. This is going to be so helpful for so many people who perhaps haven't been diagnosed, but uh, understand that they might be neurodivergent, those that have autism uh, or other challenges in life. And like you, Tom, finding their superpowers. So I really appreciate your time. Please make sure you subscribe to get all the latest episodes and inspirational content.